Hi, this is Cam Smith, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Sunday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. Don't call the boss, I'll have your spam. I love it. I'm having spam, spam, spam. Cornflakes. 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 Spam, 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 baked beans, spam, 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 and spam. I said I don't want any damn vegetables. Lentils are really good, you know? Forbidden donut. Good afternoon. You're listening to Eat It on 3 R FM. It's 12.03 here on a uh, nasty windy day. I think it would probably be the best way to describe this. It's uh, it's that spring thing and Matt and I were discussing about, eh, it's a strange time. Matt, a very good afternoon to you. Hello, Cameron Smith. Hello, dear listener. Where? Is, um, You're back. Yeah, I've been. I've been across the ocean. You've been up. You've gone over the equator. Yeah. So the Northern just, Hemisphere. Just over. Yes, where it was warmer and isn't as blustery as it is today. It's it's weird, isn't it? It's an, yeah, I, I was saying, this is my least favourite time of Melbourne's uh, weather, if I'm honest. Springtime, because it's, it's warm, it's windy, it's unsettled, yeah. and the pollen's yeah. everywhere. Schizophrenic getting... and makes yeah. you feel terrible. Yeah. Well, so look, stay inside, people. Stay safe. Stay inside, stay safe. Hopefully we will make you feel real good, because we're taking a deep dive um, into a new book. Yes. I have it here that you passed it over to me. It sounds like this. Boom. It's, yeah. it's a big tome. It's it uh, published by Hardy Grant. It's called Fish Butcher. It's by Josh Nyland. Uh, Josh Nyland. Bit, Inno- bit of a superstar <laughs> in the culinary world. An innovator. A Very much so. disruptor. Um, uh, an instigator, you could say. And an increasingly busy restaurateur. I don't know how he does it. And, and, and it, it, it should be said, right from the beginning, he is part of a double act of him and his wife, Jules. Yes. So Jules is the CEO of the business. Oh. Josh, um, 
<laughs> relentlessly thinks. And uh, and there's a reason for this because uh, uh, one of the things that seems to motivate him is the fact that he had a, a, a life-threatening disease that caused him to be bedridden for two years. Mm. And uh, where's that quote? Uh, there was a quote about oh, – I can't find it here at the moment, but it was pretty much that when your life has been – uh, shown that you could lose your life in, in two seconds mm. or so, you tend to put your foot down. <laughs> Has this guy put his foot down or what? Oh, my God. So not being content with having um, a restaurant that changes everything in the way that we think about fish and yes. the way that we serve fish. Um, but he now has two fish butcheries, yes. one in Waterloo, one in Paddington. Mm-hmm. He is um, – I don't know if he's opened a restaurant in Dubai. Yes, Sorry, Dubai. And it was just announced uh, a couple of weeks ago that he's about to open another restaurant in Singapore. Yes. <laughs> so he's going to spend a lot of his time on a plane. Yeah, you would well, think. either that or um, in um, Zoom talks or yes, you know, meetings. Lo- looking at the, uh, the, the remote cameras in yes. his space. Because apparently that's what Neil Perry does. Well, yeah, the, I remember years ago when uh, Melbourne Rockpool first opened. That yes. was that was the rumor. I don't know whether it was true, but no, he, he could. He, he had the video have... link so we could see the food going across both passes. Yeah, cameras everywhere. Have a look yeah. in Lada. See what they're yeah. doing at uh, the Gadmonger <laughs> <laughs> or Lada. Listen, I'm saying really Lada. Uh, but yes. Yeah, so anyway, we're going to be speaking to Josh Nyland because mm-hmm. this book, Fish Butchery, um, redefines. Um, the way that we do that. So I'm not going to say anything more about that because mm. we're going to be preempting the interview too much. Yes. Yes. See, that's good radio, yes. I hope. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> um, we're going to have a little bit of a chat about uh, Matt's time away, but uh, um, at the end of the show, or our last segment, mm. um, there is a really interesting event that's going to be happening at the Capitol on Wednesday, October 16th. Yes. That's October 16th. Today is October 1st. I was startled to write down. Yeah, so we, happy October, everyone. Yeah, and uh, uh, I'm sorry about that hour we lost in um Yeah, in I'm still beds. looking for that. Yeah, yeah. Where <laughs> is that? Go. I want my hour back. Damn you. <laughs> um, yeah, I wasn't really happy getting up when the alarm went off. No. I felt ripped off and I'd yeah. forgotten. Uh, but anyway, the thing that is happening on October the 16th, mm-hmm. remember that date that we did? This is a great title. Food waste is bananas. <laughs> Isn't that good? Yeah. So it's a relatively humorous um, uh, title for um, something that's very, very important. And it feeds into sustainability and um, uh, with what Josh is doing, but uh, taking a little bit more. And we'll be talking to uh, one of the people who is going to be around for that one. And that's Dr. Helen Addison-Smith. She's coming in. She's... Mm-hmm. Lives around the area, so mm-hmm. she's walking in. Looking forward to seeing you, Dr. Helen, if you are listening. And uh, we'll be getting on to that soon. Matt. Cameron. You went away. I did. Where'd you go? We went to... Where'd you go? Uh, went to <laughs> Southeast Asia. Yeah. Uh, just a nice little vacation. So we went to um, a few places. Went to Vietnam for a week and stayed in Hanoi, which is a town I hadn't visited before. I miss Vietnam. I was lucky enough to go. It's 10 years ago now. I can't believe it it was 10 years that Triple R was good enough to send me with a a group of LMIs. Yes. Like-minded individuals. Yes. God love them all. And they were so beautiful people. And, uh, yeah, I missed it. So I was a little bit gel when I heard you went. So you started in Hanoi like I did. Hanoi. And then we went to Hoi An, which is in the middle. Hoi An's famous for its ancient town, which is 
pretty much as it was two or three hundred years ago. Which is overlooked thanks to a silted up harbour. Yes. Yes. Because it stopped being a, a valuable yeah. trade hub before the so, wars moved so in. So they didn't they didn't renovate it and make it bigger. It is now uh I was about to say, regretfully it's probably not right. It is now very much a tourist hotspot. It's very touristy. Mm. Um but still valid. So, you know, still valid. good food, still um a lot of locals live there. It's not a tourist trap. I wouldn't call it that, but you do you do have to be prepared for hordes of people. Oh, hordes, yes, hordes, really. Yeah. Oh. Um, and then back up to Honolulu, and then we spent a week. Those damn hordes. <laughs> what the, are these damn hordes doing here? At the other end of uh, yes. the spectrum of Southeast Asia, we uh, spent a week in Singapore, which is a city I hadn't really explored before. I'd visited once for work. But and I, I remember, it. was it William Gibson who wrote Neuromancer who described it as Disneyland with death penalties? Yes. Yes, that was in the time of Lee Kuan Yew. Yes. Who was a very authoritarian uh, person who had some pretty famous run-ins with our Prime Minister at the time. Yes. And we all learned the word recalcitrant. <laughs> yes. Anyway, sorry. That was, but, it was uh, Mahathir. Anyway, um... I but was Mahathir, yeah, you're right. Sorry, yeah, you're right. Wrong, wrong Prime Minister. Wrong Prime Minister, you're right. A jab. Whoops. But, um, yeah, well, like... As I say, two very opposite ends of the spectrum of that part of the world because Vietnam is chaotic, but in a good way. And an emerging economy still. Very much so. It's a bit of a powerhouse economy. There's there's lots of buildings, new construction going on, hopefully for everyone's mutual benefit, but who knows. (laughs) Um, And then, of course, you've got Singapore, which is the exact opposite. It is established. It is... Wealth, it is order. It is wealth personified. Well, it, yeah, that surprised me. So it reminded me, in some ways, of New York City, where you you can do it cheaply. Like you can eat at hawker centres, and mm. and of course, there's an entire world. never serve of Singapore noodles, thanks, in, yes. served in plastic. Uh, uh, and there's an entire or, yes, or you can go um, right to the top end of town, higher than you would probably get in Australia. Oat, oat. Oats, to use the French word, high, high, high. Yes. Yeah, it's um, like you got money, we can extract it off you. Very, very efficiently, <laughs> Pretty it turns much, out. isn't it? Yeah. So, um, you know, it, wealth, as I say, in the way that we don't sort of see it in Australia and everything in between. Were you saying um, you had a, a $50 glass of wine? Yeah, so we went to, um, we were feeling um, patriotic. So we went and ate at uh, one of the restaurants that um, Tetsuya Wakuda runs. Oh, good. Okay, yeah. yeah I thought you weren't going to the Kanga Steak Cave or something no, like no, terrible. No, yes, Some <laughs> Aussie themed restaurant. So, Aussie's Outback Steakhouse. Yes. No, we no. clear of that. Good, good, good. Um, so he went to Tetsuya's. Yes, so he has a restaurant in Singapore called Wakugin. It holds two Michelin stars. Mm. Um, we didn't do the tasting menu and whatnot because that was frightfully expensive. But we sat at the bar, which is a good good choice because you can sort of, you know, bar's always good in restaurants. You can sort of sit there and people watch. Um, but yes, the, the glasses of wine on the menu were 38 Singaporean dollars for a pour. And then you add your 10% of your service charge and you add your 8% GST, then you've got to add another 10% to convert it to Australian. I think I think I calculated about $52. Wow. So we enjoyed it. <laughs> Drank it very slowly. What's the best thing you ate over there? Was there anything that really stood out as being there were, memorable? I, I think there were, again, at two ends of the spectrum. Mm. Um, Vietnam first. Vietnam, probably my favourite was, and this is no surprise to anyone who's been there, Bun Mi in uh, Hoi An. Mm-hmm. So there's two very famous banh mi outlets in Hoi An. We went to the one we hadn't been to previously um, and had a barbecue pork 
bun me with fresh made bread and it was probably the cheapest thing we ate too. I think we had two bun me and two beer and it was 10 Australian dollars. And you had the fur from the place where Bill Clinton had the fur? Yeah, that was two the... Two bowls uh, of fur? Yes, it was the... Um, no, we went to the Obama uh, a restaurant. Where, oh, yes, the Obama one, yes, right. which was just... And we actually ended up sitting ne- on the table next to where Obama sat. The table where Obama did sit, they sort of have enclosed in perspex now. So it's sort of... <laughs> wow. It's there for perpetuity. Really? Um, so You've denied a couple of people sitting there. Well, okay. that's true. That's true. It seems strange. It's not like they're well, going to destroy it. But lots yeah, I guess of it's, taking it's a shrine. The... Yes. Well, it's a bit like cumulus, you know. It's like where Beyonce sat. <laughs> oh, I never thought about that. Yes. There's that back booth. Beyonce was there. So, ban me in Vietnam, and then right at the other end of the spectrum, we did indulge in um, a meal at a, a place called Lea Me in Singapore. Which is one of my only, friends. Yes, my friends. Which is one of only three restaurants um, in Singapore with three Michelin stars, and we thought, well, hang the expense. Three Michelin, which wow. was considerable. Yes, um, and yeah, it, again, international standard. Do you remember any finer. of the courses? I do. So the, okay. the, the my favourite one, which was their signature dish, is effectively it's just a pile of caviar in the middle of the plate, but it's surrounded by these little columns of potato. <laughs> That just matches really beautifully and it's very cooked gently, so it just matched beautifully with the caviar. Whoa. It was off the charts good. A mountain of caviar? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I used to do that when I worked at the Intercontinental. You said you used to sneak into the larder and just once maybe a take, month. take a little... <laughs> once, once, once a month, I used to open up the giant molasol tins and then just scoop yeah. and walk out. But yeah, you could only do that every now and then because... Someone's going to notice They're going to notice that the caviar's missing, but you got to have that. Yes. Wow, that sounds great. And um, was there anything that you were hanging out for when you came back? Oh, was there something um, that's like, well, well, I'm back home. Gosh, I'm so glad I'm back home in Melbourne because I can go and have a bun me. Or yeah, well, whilst we were away, um, God love her, Nikki Rima was posting all of these from Bellotta in South from Melbourne. From Bellotta in South Melbourne, just mm. posting all of these specials on Instagram. Well, here's what we're doing for spring. Here's what we're doing for spring. So um, I was kind of craving that by the time we got back. Yeah, which is a nice thing to crave, Nikki. especially when you're lucky like me, you live two minutes away from that particular restaurant. Nikki does good food. Yes, we know that. But anyway, I would, um, yes, highly recommend. Uh, Singapore's not a place I was really on my radar. And it is kind of, you know, it's, it's a conflicted place because it's kind of like Asia light in some ways. But, um, my God, the food scene there is incredible. Bring um, money. Bring money. <laughs> Lots of money. And in, uh, in, a, in a couple of months' time, you'll be able to eat Josh Nolan's food in Singapore as well. Triple R. Well, folks, it's uh, got to be said, um, our next guest is uh, is a man, the first person to have won the James Beard Book of the Year, been invited to the board of the Basque Culinary Institute. He's someone who's innovative, relentless, a man with no peers and who emulates no one, and he's just 40, uh, 34 years old. He's sitting on the beach at Balmoral. And um, he's having a chat to us now, and I'm so pleased to have a chat to Josh Nyland. Hello. G'day. How are you, Cam? Oh, I'm real good. What's uh, what's it like up in um, in Sydney at the moment? It's hot. It's hot today. So, <laughs> I can tell you it's nice sitting on the sand rather than at the computer desk yesterday. Yeah, they, 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 they seem to be cooking the Sydney side. It's 36 or something today. Yeah, we're feeling all of it. So plenty of sunscreen. Oh, my we're God. Having, having fun. Yeah, great. Well, that sounds good. Well, thank you for taking the uh, time to chat with us. 
we saw each other, I think it was the Australian Open um, yeah, in February. Yeah, a while ago now. I think it was just as hot. Jan, and um, it was. It was just as hot and you were doing your food uh, there. Are you returning to the Australian Open this year? Do you know? Yeah. You are? Sorry. Are you coming back to the um, the Australian Open this year? The AO? Uh, I, I'm not sure at this stage. I think I've bitten off already too much. So um, <laughs> That's, my, that's if, Matt, if my producer. Plan, I, I might be, but I think I might find myself busy. You might have heard my, my producer <laughs> laughing because uh, it's, uh, it's crazy that um, you now – let's see, I probably haven't even got this right, but at the moment you have a main <laughs> restaurant, the Boutique Hotel, yep. two fish butcheries, one in Paddington, the other in Waterloo, um, a restaurant in Dubai, which I'm not sure has been opened yet and the thought of doing another restaurant in singapore what else is on the cards and so God. we've got we've got the two trees you got that right yeah and then we've got peter yeah we've got peterman we've got charcoal fish and then we're about to imminently be opening a restaurant in singapore Good God! Did, what about the place in Dubai? Did that happen? Uh, Dubai was a uh, it was a, a, a four hands collaborative event that I did last last weekend. So that was um, just an in and out trip. So an excuse to to get friends together cooking food uh, oh. in in a beautiful restaurant last week. That would have been great. Well, look, the the main thing is we we're here to chat about. I think it's your third book now, and congratulations on it. Um, it's Thank been a, a great collaboration between you and Hardy Grant, it has to be said. And this is yes. a book that redefines the way that we um, butcher, cook and regard fish. And I think probably maybe a, a great way to start is to say that for all of us, we think of fish shops as being cold, smelly and wet. What yeah. say you to that, Josh? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the intention... Firstly, behind Fish Butchery as the cookbook was um, to really start to unpack the idea that we, we need to be looking towards having a profession that is a fish butcher. Mm. I know we're all rolling our eyes slightly now thinking, all right, well, we've already got one of them. They're called a fishmonger. Yeah. But when we think of a monger, they're dealing and trading in a commodity, and the commodity's fish. Mm. And unfortunately, if we continue to commoditize fish, there's not going to be many left for anybody in the future. So for me, for a, a monger to work and coexist with a profession called a fish butcher, then the butcher, just like to meat, uh, would be bringing value and a sense of craftsmanship to the secondary cuts of a fish. And maybe because, a, maybe a yeah. modicum, a, a greater modicum of respect for the ingredient too, yeah? Absolutely. And yeah. when there's respect, then there's more economic value from one fish. And then ethically, it walks the line as well. So for every two fish that comes out of the water, usually that to us represents one one product. Yes, as to what we're believing in, which is every one fish that comes out of the water, we can generate the yield of two just by using every... Yeah, because tra traditionally what we're thinking of is that um, we get about a yield of about 50% of fish. You, you drag off the two fillets and... For a lot of us, not all, because I'm I'm sure there'll be a lot that say no, I need more. Yeah, there you go. Um, but you're what are you up to now? You're up to about ninety percent. Oh, oh! It's the old mobile dropout. The old mobile. Don't you worry. I'm going to call straight back. Roger and we'll that. See what's happening here. Calling, 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 ringing. Oh, here we go. Live radio. Cam, <laughs> I lost you. Yeah. Hey, but hey, Josh, I found you. I'm going for the optimistic Hello. thing. Hello. Can you hear me? Oh, Josh. Yes, yes. Got you. Hey, there we go. 
We found we, each other again. <laughs> and, we, and we were discussing yields, the 45%, 50% yeah. traditional. Yeah, to yeah. Uh, you're achieving around about 90% now, yeah? Correct. And, and that's really, you know, that's a wrestle each week to try to get that number as high as we can. Mm. And, it, and it's subject to obviously purchasing the best fish from great people. But, um, you know, it requires a lot of labor. And, and let's be fair, like all the changes that I'm suggesting requires a lot of intentional behavior and, and some manpower behind it, which we find ourselves pretty deprived of these days. Yes. So um, it, it's, not a, it's not a flick of a switch solution by any, but, but I'm trying to put the framework down in these books. Uh, and and through images on Instagram and the the food that we serve in the restaurants to to help try to start thing that that might be a solution. So beautiful book, great. Um, that was one of the first things Matt said when he saw it. My producer said, "God, those photographs are great. Um, they're really nice." And you also got um, Rich Mombasa to do the illustrations. Yeah. Um, can I just yeah. a couple seconds talking on that because. I have yeah. admired Reg's art for many, many years. Do you, do you know him personally? What was the thought no. about getting him? No, and this has been born out of probably growing up in Maitland and going to Newcastle Beach as a kid and having the, the, the farting dog the on a dog, T-shirt. Dog trumpet, yes. Dog <laughs> yeah. trumpet. So, Great gag. Um, so, you know, an affection towards <laughs> my publisher asked, would you be interested in doing some illustrations? And I said, well, only if I could work with Reg Mombasa and everybody's giggle and thought well good luck doing that yeah and so it, it was born out of a cold call and, and really fingers crossed mentality and he picked up the phone and said oh our, our daughters love your restaurant we'd love to um we'd love to do something together so we had a pot of tea one saturday morning at his house mm. and that was it and so it was an extraordinary experience working with somebody that's so creatively sharp yeah, oh, he's he's an absolute ripper. Well, he um, certainly adds to um, the great feel of uh, of this book. Hmm. Now, um, it's sort of it's um, it's divided into three main um, categories. It was uh, what is it? Um, yeah. Catch, cut, and and craft. Yes. Yeah, the old alliteration. The, yeah. CCC. The, 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 yeah, that's right, and. And I think breaking it up like that really helps walk the uh, reader through what we're trying to say is if we, we improve upon each of those variables, then, then we will get a superior outcome in the end. So, and it was a nice way to give the, give the reader some recipes and a little bit of reprieve uh, throughout the book because I suppose some of the images are quite austere and bare bone um, and quite intense. Mm. And so to break things up with colour and the use of Reg's illustrations, it brings a nice balance to the book. Yeah, and um, the thing that... Um you keep going with is that you want to bring is that you wanted um, this is a quote the romance of the season and the wonder of a wild fish still exists and yeah, and and that gets back to respecting what you have and making the most of what you have and well i guess i'll use your words as well and not commodifying it but really yeah. oh god i'm not going to use that word i'm going to do it sorry matt celebrate it yeah. Sorry, no, that's Matt's right. smacking me. <laughs> no, you, yeah, you're completely right. Um, mm. It's it's it, you know think of think of how many animals, land-based animals, would need to go to an abattoir to generate the amount of primary cuts that we want if we didn't have an application method or knowledge around to do with the secondaries of an animal. Yeah. So from beef cheeks and oxtails and rumps and silver side, we, we wouldn't have a clue. And so we'd continue to take fillets and scotch and, you know, but this is what we're doing every day with fish. And so to offer the perspective that a fish carries primary cuts and secondary cuts, 
is really what we're trying to showcase in the book. Yeah. If we we go to if there's lots of people that um, are anglers out there that you know throw a line in, and if you were going to give advice to them, what would yeah. be what would be your advice to um, people um, out there fishing? How they could make for a better product I mean, and to get it to the kitchen in a better condition. So take an ice slurry out with you, just so that. Oh, don't you I, worry. I think the uh, the mobile network's just hanging in there in Balmoral Beach. I think it must be. Maybe, maybe, it's the, maybe it's the sun. Who knows? It could be. could be. So I've just hit redial, folks. Sorry what, about that. Hi. It's, it's tough range down yeah. here, isn't it? Oh, there must be lots of people on the phone with the Balmoral Tower. Oh, I'm it's not, sure. We're, it's not, not coping. It's, Captain. I, I, I'm almost into the bush now. I'm trying to get away from everyone. <laughs> Good. Um, oh, thanks, man. You, you're, no. you're the best. We're talking about fisher, fisher people and how they can – when you said slurry – was the last thing I think yeah. you said. Yeah, slurry is the important. It's just to go out well prepared because if you catch a fish and you throw it into a bucket and it flaps around until you get oxygen, then you're going to end up with a, a product that's holding on to all its lactic acid, which, you know, if you think about ceviche when you squeeze lemon juice over a fish, you'll inevitably cook it after about 15, 20 minutes. Yes. And to allow that lactic acid that resides within the flesh to then start cooking the fish from the inside out, you know, you're going to have an inferior product that, that goes to the bin pretty quickly. Yes. So I, um, you what's, know, what's, really... What's a slurry, just for those that... A slurry, just, yeah, really finely shaved ice. And salt. And ideally the salt water uh, in, inside to, um, you know, get the temperature of the fish down, but also, importantly, get the lactic acid out of the fish. That slurry um, is going to be around about zero to one degree Celsius. So you are really... And that's where the, the temperature you want to get that fish down correct. to. And the worst thing... The very worst thing, and this is if you're going to take away one thing from yeah. this whole book, is even though those fish live in water, the worst thing you can add to fish after they're out of the water is... Never wash your fish. No, no water. It's crazy. It no seems, water. Yeah, and this is going against thinking of centuries, and this is what makes you yeah. so different, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, it's, it's the one friction, the sticky point that sits with many, uh, <laughs> that what a ridiculous comment. Uh, it swims in water. Why the hell shouldn't we be able to yeah. give it a quick rinse? Yeah, and come on. to me, yeah, to me, uh, being like, if you're a fisherman out there and you, you're catching a fish today and you give it a quick rinse to gut it and scale it out on mm -hmm. the boat and then eat it that night, of course, you're not going to experience the ill effects of, you know, a fish commercially going through the marketplace and getting absolutely saturated with water from the tap and, um, then sitting up on ice for a few days and then you buy it, mm. um, you are going to start to experience what we all refer to as fishy fish. Yeah. Fishy fish is what we are referring to with regards to ammonia. And the only way you get rid of ammonia is through the use of acidity, which is then why we all get half a lemon with our fish. And wherever that, we go. <laughs> and, that, and that is why traditionally the whole profile of what we associate with fish is an acid-based source. Beurre blanc, um, even tata, you know, all those sort of things yeah. are dealing with an acid profile, yeah? and Yeah, that's right. And, but inevitably, that that's a beautiful garnish. Like, that is a delicious yeah. source to have with a fish, but we shouldn't be building it as a mechanism to... Oh, don't go, Josh. <laughs> don't go, mate. So oh, it's important back. that we... <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Okay, here we go. Coming back. Here yep. we go. Yep. Sorry, folks. At 12.31, you're listening to an interview with Josh Nyland that gets interrupted because <laughs> of the Balmoral <laughs> Tower. But but Josh is running towards the bush at the moment as we speak. Hi, Josh. We're back again. Sorry. No, no we're not. 
<laughs> Damn. <sighs> okay. Have I got you? There yeah, you go. Yeah, you do. Damn. There you are. There you are. Now, stay exactly still. There we go. I will. I am. Uh, but Sorry. we were talking acid uh, things. Oh, and I will bring yeah. that back to here was something that was such a game changer for us little Melburnians that we got to witness and taste firsthand your amazing food at the Australian Open, those lucky enough to have a general admission ticket. But... Here was now. What was it? Murray Cod. Oh goodness me! I nearly, I nearly I went know. JVG. Then these things are sent to test us, aren't they? They did. They did. I nearly went full JVG. Then mm. sorry, we're, we're talking to Josh Nand relatively successfully. We'll get out there. Hello. Yeah, I was saying it was uh, the uh, Murray Cod with that gravy, which was Cam. Hello, can you hear? I'm here. There he is. He is here. And uh, we were talking, the last thing we spoke about was flavour profiles, and I managed to get out Murray Cod with... <laughs> he did say he was sort of operating on one bar of reception. Was so, he really? uh, Yes, yes. Wow, okay. We'll, we'll give it one more shot, I reckon. <laughs> there we go. All right. All right, here we go. Hello, Josh. <laughs> Josh Nyland. It's been so long since we've spoken. I've missed I know, you. right? <laughs> I've missed you so much. All right, I'm gonna. We, we should probably speak quickly while we've got we will, you. Yeah. So um, I'm. I was making the point. It's probably my third time now. So excuse me, listeners. But uh, Murray Cod gravy, different, whole different of profile <laughs> than what we're used to. Take it away, Josh. Yeah. No. Um, I mean, Akuna's doing phenomenal things out in Griffith, where they've created this beautiful, um, I suppose, farm Murray Cod, where the, the composition of the flesh is dense and firm and meaty, but also like synonymous with wild Murray cod back many years ago, it was, it did carry that kind of compromised, savory, almost muddy kind of flavor. Yes. And that's because of that onset of geosmin uh, that's in the flesh. And it does give you that tainted kind of flavor that I suppose many really don't enjoy, but um, you know, the pure, like the really beautiful clean water that these fish are swimming in right now are creating this fish that to me personally is almost reminiscent of cooking perfect roast pork or uh, even like roast chicken. Mm -hmm. And uh, the confidence in that fish was the catalyst behind why we created charcoal fish um, so that we were able to, you know, put this Murray cod on a rotisserie and spin it over fire and, and then take the flesh off the bone and put it in a, in a soft, in a soft bread roll with some Murray cod gravy so that we could play off the idea of the chicken roll that I used to have as a kid. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Oh, in that crowd. And it was absolutely delicious. And, uh, Are you um are you planning to open a butchery down here in the great Prague of the South? <laughs> well, once I uh once I land all these other projects that we're okay. working on, then Melbourne is definitely the top of the tree for for something that we want to be a part of down there. But Seems like you said, sense. I think it would be a butchery yeah. uh, as opposed to uh, I suppose a restaurant offering. Yeah, that's it's yeah okay. Well, wow, great minds think alike, Josh. What can I say? <laughs> um, now. Before we, we, we do go, there's a couple of things, but there is a great acknowledgement that has to be made. Mm. Your CEO, your wife, Jules. Yes, absolutely. You're the, um, because we concentrate so much on, on you and what you do. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that it's that cliche, behind every great man. But what a team you guys are. And I'm just wondering if maybe you could sort of speak for the role that uh, Jules plays yeah. and, and how you guys – how do you work together, I suppose, is probably the yeah. question. Well, yeah, very quick overview. Julie and I met each other at a cooking competition um, 
13 years ago, mm. um, at which we both ended up winning. And then a couple of years later, hey, we got married. You're hot. And she went, hey, you're <laughs> yeah, hot too. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, a couple of years later, we got married. And then we, we did, like most chefs, a working honeymoon where we, we worked at the <laughs> Fat Duck. Yes. Uh, and then from there, wow. then we decided to return back to Sydney rather than stay for the obligatory, you know, 12, 24-month situation in, in the UK and work <laughs> work yourself yes. to the bone. Yeah. We came back and we, you know, we had our – our first son, um, and then we went on to have another three children after that. So we've got four, four little troops now, which is it's quite um, the brood. I got to got to meet them down there at um, yeah at, at yeah, uh, yeah, World yeah. Labor, that was, which was was great. But it's yeah. such a great team that um, yeah. that you have the way that you work together, and and I guess what are the complementary skills that you bring? Yeah. Well, Julie plays the role of like CEO and, and from an administrative perspective, she makes sure that every uh, everybody gets paid punctually. Oh, that's uh, and she works very closely with our accountants and bookkeepers uh, to ensure that, you know, we're, we're winning from a business standpoint, not just from a culinary perspective as well. So where, sh- where I do not enjoy sitting in front of a computer, then she she does uh, enjoy uh, making sure that we're, we're up to date with everything. And also from a design perspective, she's put together all of the uh, all of the settings for where where we've opened venues, she's very much designed a lot of that without the assistance of any architecture um, or, or designers, mainly yeah. from a budget perspective, but also just from a um, you know something that gives her joy as well. So, well, you, can you say a big hello from me and oh, uh, a respect <laughs> and kudos and all that sort of stuff? Um, this is sort of a bit of a I don't know a bit of a Dorothy Dix's sort of question, but I thought I'd throw it yeah. to you. Matt's looking at me suspiciously. What was your most surprising discovery in your pescatorial adventure? <laughs> oh, I think the, the most amazing and, and extraordinary has been to work out that the vitreous humour, which is a very small part of a fish eye, it can actually be replicated and used as an egg with regards to making ice cream. Um, yes, so, wow. you know, to, to no longer need to use eggs when making a custard to make an ice cream, we can now use the vitreous humour of a fish eye. Um, what do you call so, the, the vitreous humour? Yeah, there's two humours in everybody's eyes, an aqueous and a vitreous. And yes. The vitreous actually carries, you know, quite a lot of collagen. Yes. And when we were reading through an optometry textbook, because that's what we do, <laughs> um, we, we actually found there was some similarities between that and an egg yolk. And we actually had an optometrist come in the other day and said, well, we used to actually practice on eggs to do this type of work. So I was like, my goodness, I, go. I was on the right track. So, <laughs> Wow, you've, you've, you've left me completely dumbstruck. That is fantastic news. And, wow. And, um, and other things um, uh, about this book, have you got any um, favourite uh, favorite recipes or uh, preparations that you've well, put into fish butchery? I mean, there's obviously a very broad and extensive range of recipes there from charcuterie and how to utilise offal and things. Mm. But I think the one section that I'm more proud of and, and almost uh, glad that the publisher allowed me the freedom to put it in there was a section called Artisanal Goods, oh, where yes, we've actually yes. been able to work with other creatives uh, in different fields to actually generate uses for other parts of the fish that we weren't able to. So we've worked with Sam Gordon down your way in Victoria to produce a, a fish bone plate. And it was funny it's actually that been, you, yeah. you, were the, you got- used the word vitreous and I immediately thought of um, of pottery and that and you have included, as you were about to say, the, the fish bones into the plates, yeah? 
Yeah, the fish bone's been produced into a glaze that goes over our plates at the restaurant. And into Singapore now, we'll be using all of those plates uh, to serve our food on, which is quite extraordinary. Mm. Uh, and, and Julie worked with two different uh, people, one from uh, Soapstress, Grace from Soapstress, and a company called Hunter Candles. And we produce fish fat candles and fish fat soaps. So it's... Um, you know, all of these things uh, advancing this idea of utilising a fish far beyond, you know, just trying to chuck it up on ice and hoping that one day somebody walks along to buy it. So it's it's kind of some intentional acts to, to get to the bottom of all this waste. You'll get past 90%. I know you're going to do it. I know you will. <laughs> Josh, can't wait to see you. One day I'm going to get to come into your restaurant and eat, and I can't wait for that day. Um, Absolutely. Really, really great to chat with you. Uh, the book is called Fish Butchery. Hardy Grant, 50 bucks, forty nine ninety nine. Oh, she, she's jumped up a bit this time around. It's, I think we're up to 70 now. So, right. um, you know, the third run's on the board now. So I think, yeah, yeah and, and I mean, it's, it's, it's a little bit more generous in its information and, and uh, yeah, extraordinary to pull together the exact same team that we've worked yes. on the first two books as well. So. All right. Well, look, I think um, if I can summarise and say this is a book for the consumer out there. It's the book for the every person, but it's also a really important book for people within the industry. Agreed? Yeah, absolutely. And that was really the, the intention behind the book, to, to target it square between the eyes of the industry. Josh? Balmoral Towers are a little bit of a challenge. Yeah, but shady, shady this shady, morning. Shady, mate, shady. But um, I hope you get some shade, enjoy the water, say Thank hi you. to Jules. Thank you for talking to us and enjoy um, a little bit of time out. Thanks, Cam. Well, you can. Appreciate it. There he is. Thank you. I'll talk to you again soon, mate. Bye. 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 We made it, folks, together. Thanks, mobile phone towers. Thanks, mobile phone towers. Things sometimes seemed a bit simpler when we had copper connections, didn't they? But anyway, we didn't have smartphones back then, so I shouldn't whinge. No. Hey, we're going to play some music, Cam. You need to swing that cable around, but that gives me uh, a good opportunity just to remind you, dear listener, that Radiothon is still on for uh, 2023, and the subscription's a little bit down this year, so we're gently continuing to gently encourage you to subscribe to Triple R for another 12 months. It's $85 for a full subscription. Uh, $40 for a concession, $195 if you're passionate. Uh, even though uh, the campaign, the big 10-day campaign was over a couple of weeks ago, you still go into the running for all the prizes. And uh, so if you're like me and you just have overlooked and not yet uh, taken out your subscription, please do make sure you do prior to this Wednesday when uh, when the end of the campaign is formally um, concluded and then we uh, draw all the prizes. This is a podcast from Triple R an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. Triple R is listener-supported radio and receives no direct government funding. If you would like to financially support Triple R by donating or becoming a subscriber, hit up rrr.org.au to find out how. Dr. Helen Addison-Smith, it's great to see you here. Thank you for coming in. Anytime. We were saying that you're not going to drop I out. I am not. That's, <laughs> that's my guarantee. <laughs> Studio ambience. We're back, folks. Um, it was important to speak to Josh. but um, Yeah, he's doing really cool stuff. God, he's hey. cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Amazing. Yeah. I mean, I can't. Yeah. Anyway, we move forward. We've got to talk about this is happening and what a great title you guys came up with. Apparently, Elizabeth Emac, Elizabeth McCarthy said it was a woman called Jen who came up with the title "Food Waste is Bananas." It is bananas. It's bananas. It is bananas. Yeah. Food waste, so bananas. Yeah. Um, you can say it so many ways, but the problem still persists, and it is endemic in our. World, <laughs> it's just, the whole world. It's the whole goddamn thing. But we can, we can start and make a make a make an impact, and uh, it's going to be happening. There's going to be a panel discussion happening at the Capitol. Yep. yep. Dif- different date from what I gave. Yes, you, you lied. Eighteenth, and it, yeah. it was written down here. God, I'm an idiot. You think at this broadcasting, I get better at it. Wednesday, the eighteenth of October, at the Capitol in Swanston Street, a beautiful. Um, place to do it. Fantastic, and there'll be there will be snacks. Um, because, special snacks. Uh, very special snacks. Yeah, very special snacks. Scooby like- peel snacks. You're doing the peel. <laughs> I snack. am doing banana peel. Banana yeah, peels. I'm doing banana peel sliders. I'm also working on my uh, agar agar packaging technology at Whoa, home. Okay. Um, yeah, we have a, a um, I was about to call her a chick. Hmm. I don't know. Anyway, she's a, a human. We have a human on yeah, the panel. Human. Human's always good, I reckon. That's, yeah, yeah. that's my fallback. <laughs> yeah, now. that's why. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a guarantee. Um, called Jessie French, who's done some. She's done some work with Rough Rice before. Um, oh, who's Rough Rice? For those that don't know, Adam, someone. Yeah, yeah. From, <laughs> what's his last he, name? The, the, from the, the, the fermenting king from Tasmania yeah. is probably the best way to do it. Yeah, Rough Rice. Have a look at the Instagram. It's insane. Yeah, he's bananas, and he actually was. I had the honour of meeting him, and this ties a lot of things together, mm-hmm. at the greenhouse down by the Yarra because he came and did a residency with a guy called Yost Backer. Yeah, who will also be there. And I think that's where I first met you. Yeah, that's because correct. Because you were trying to work out, what the hell is this greenhouse thing and I want to meet this Yost Backer guy. <laughs> And look what's happened. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it was a really fascinating uh Project. Oh, it was amazing. Yes. And it was such a oh, – I'm really honoured to be a, have been a small part of it. Yeah. You were, I was doing tours. Yes, you were a very good host. Oh, so, thank you. Yeah, no, it, was, it was very good. Um, and a, a really interesting way to kind of rethink uh, our food system, how the food gets to us, because how the food gets to us, of course, creates the waste yeah, as well. Yeah, indeed. I, just, I should probably just quickly jump in because there might be some people who don't know what the greenhouse was. It was a construction, a dwelling that was built on – on the Yarra around Burongma, the idea of it was a self-sustaining house, one that fed you, um, sheltered you, and um, and was just a self-sustaining thing, zero as much as possible, zero waste. Yeah, and I mean, what was really interesting about that is that it wasn't um, it wasn't mucking around, you know, like it was ev- like everything. There were there it was were fed income. It was fed income. <laughs> there were yeah, there were animals in there as well, animals that were eaten as well as like vegetables and that kind of yes. light kind of display stuff that's easy enough to do. But um, yeah, like the, all of the, there was no sugar involved. Everything was made with honey. And ground nuts, uh, tiger nuts. Tiger nuts, yeah, yeah the tiger nuts yeah. stuff was wild. Mm. Yeah, and it's really important uh, kind of event to push everyone's thinking yeah. forward and to go, well, actually, how can we make something that is in place, that we grow in place and don't we don't waste any of that? Mm. Yeah. And then we kind of rethinking what wasting actually means. And and you were able to take that away and you um, have now 
you're working in conjunction or with uh, RMIT, is that right? That's right. So yeah. I'm working for RMIT on a big project for the Fight Food Waste Collaborative Research Centre and um, I've got 10 months, Cam, 10 to, months. Um, <laughs> to create a plan for the whole of hospitality in all of Australia to <laughs> have food waste by 20, 2030. It'll be fine. Hey, well, it's just it's you, fine. right? Oh, no, I've got there's there's one and a half more people. Wow, so, that's yeah. great. Well, but you but you also have a wonderful collaboration with some really amazing people at this panel that's going to be happening at Wednesday the eighteenth. Yes. Of October, and maybe you might go through some of those people. You mentioned one. Who's yes. There's, yeah, so there's Yost, there's um, Jessie French, mm-hmm. um, who, yeah, like she, she works with, um, she makes her own um, bioplastics out of algae. She's an artist, but she also makes containers for um, for food. And yes. those containers can be like turned into a broth the next day because they're made out of acre. They're entirely edible. Um, that's where the really interesting end of like Must packaging use stuff a is. a fair bit of agar to make it that durable. <laughs> wow. Okay, yep. yeah. Yeah. Um, and then there's Laura from uh, Cassette. Mm. Who are, she's, she's a dead set legend um, and what they're doing over at Cassette is really, really interesting. So that's a zero waste um, cafe. And um, that's that's taking a, uh, another leaf out of um, Yoast's book because Yoast was the first uh, in that I know that started the restaurant called Brothel, which yeah. was the, the first zero waste. So it's, it's taking that legacy and moving it forward, which is just great. So where is Cassette? Cassette's in Kensington. So they've got a different kind of set of constraints so yeah like uh, parks um in town dennis young's place r.i.p um but that was fantastic for i think he used about 80 percent of other restaurants uh, waste to create his menu and his menu was fantastic it was fire Mm. um but yeah, Laura in Kensington is creating a menu without waste. So she's doing stuff like making a chicken roll and then making the sauce out of its own poaching stock. And so there's like the i the, the constraints are kind of different. She's working with really great suppliers, but the the idea is that the that there's no waste coming in she's, and there's no she's waste using coming the, out. She's using the, the Josh Nyland effect, in fact. Correct. So it's yep. that sustainable with the yields that he talks about where traditionally, for instance, fish, he was saying 45 to 50 yield and he's now up to about 90 and this sounds like the same thing for this restaurant. We utilise everything, nothing it's thrown. Yeah, that's right. right. Because in, yeah, Hospo, I don't know if you like figures. I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm mixed nah. about whether they don't like them. <laughs> Well, yeah. yeah, never my strong point. As <laughs> you can tell by my bank balance, probably, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 yeah, anyway. Damned but... lies, damned lies and statistics. So mm. I'll give you some statistics. So it's about 1.25 million tonnes of food waste coming out of HOSPO every year, but more than half of that is before it reaches the plate. So generally wow. these kind of, you know, campaigns really talk about what, customers can do but like customers they're they're not the thing yeah it's what's happening behind the scenes that really makes the waste it's also you know folks are deciding how much goes on the plate Mm. and that creates the waste at the end of it as well and that can be driven by what people think customers want like they want a big you know they want a big plate of food otherwise they feel like they're not getting value or what about selling the the you know the the straight carrot you know the or you know discarding the the dodgy carrot. Oh yeah, uh, no. Okay, that's that's another. <laughs> that's okay, that's whole another whole that's another whole, whole box of fish. <laughs> using that an, that analogy, and uh, we didn't mention the 
the, the wonderful, the incredible Danny Valent. Yes. Yeah. So she will be there. Hi, Danny, if you're listening. Controlling us all, hopefully. Controlling you. Yeah. She'll do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Beautifully. I, I think pretty much everyone on the panel is like a mad dreamer about the way you would have food. <laughs> and the, the kind of the thing that we're all thinking about is how do we think of food and packaging as one thing? So mm. the reason it's called Food Waste is Bananas is can a chef ever think up something that's as good as a banana for um, – <laughs> Yeah, for food, the encapsulation of food and the fact, you know, you can eat the peel as well. The banana tree is like this amazing, um, you know, it gives us packaging with the banana leaves. It gives mm. us mm. banana blossoms. It gives us bananas and it gives us banana peel. Can we do something as good as that? Have you ever <laughs> written on a banana? Have I? Um, you say, try writing with a biro on a banana. It feels fantastic. <laughs> Just a, it, it brings a sensual pleasure. Seriously. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, gross, you but have, sure. You, no, no, you have homework. That's right. This is, you can say, this is sure. my banana. There you go. You can do All that. Right. But um, uh, so the bananas are very important. Danny will be there. Yep. Yoast will be there. Um, what sort of – how long does it go for? It's about 70 minutes, I think. Something like that. There'll be – yeah. There'll be, 70 there'll be, minutes. There'll be snacks. Um, yeah, lots of different snacks that um, – that we're all kind of generating from the various ways we think mm. about waste. Yep. Um, yeah. And how on earth do we um, book in? Do we have to book? you have to register? Does it cost money? It costs absolutely nothing. And all you get, right. And you get free food. So, yeah. 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 And via Eventbrite. So, yeah, just Google away. All the agar you can eat. <laughs> <laughs> and, and bring your pen to write on those bananas. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I think it's a, a wonderful thing that you do. And, um, God, God, we'll have to check out. Ian, can you keep us involved in how you're going with this Absolutely. Herculean task? Yeah, it's a big thing. We've been to Queensland and New South Wales already checking out various hospital techniques and, yeah. All right, well, I'll, I'll be definitely there. So I'll be there, and, but we should keep in touch to see how it's all going because this is incredibly important for us our future and oh the next generation that you know look at look at us with more and more accusing eyes and quite rightly so it is true yeah yeah uh thank you so much for coming in dr helen anytime and matt thank you it's divine to see you well thank you Cal. i should also just briefly once again mention radiothon is on encourage everyone to subscribe if you haven't already and say a big ups to tarador quadras from Heidelberg Heights, who subscribed during the hour as well. And thank you for the Buchanans, all the family that subscribed uh, last week. It was hilarious the way we read out those. <laughs> so, so kudos to you. Hi, this is Cam Smith, and you've been listening to the podcast of Triple R's Eat It, a weekly radio show about food and drink, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Sunday. Hope you enjoyed the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website. 